What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We got the entire crew here tonight. There is an absolute boatload of stuff to talk about. If you know anything about the Grizzlies, hell, I don't even think you have to know anything about the Grizzlies. If you just turn your TV <laughs> on right now, somebody that do. has no idea what's going on in Memphis is running their mouth about stuff that's going on in Memphis. So we're going to talk about the John Morant stuff. We're going to talk about the game, the loss to the Clippers without John Morant and the loss of Brandon Clark for the season, torn Achilles. That's scary. That might be more than just this season. That might be the majority of next season as well. So that that's terrible news for Brandon Clark. But we, we got a lot to get into. I'm just going to let you know, if you have a weak stomach, if you are soft, if you are easily offended, go ahead and shut this episode off. We're not going to pull any punches. We're going to tell you what we think about the situation. We're going to tell you what we think about some of the people running their mouth about the situation. And we're going to talk about basketball. If you don't want to listen to that, that's cool. Come back next episode. We'll be talking about strictly basketball. But what's going on right now is far too big for us not to address it on this show. And, and to be honest with you, we know more about what's going on with this team than 75 to 80% of the people on national media that's running their mouth that don't have a damn clue. So yeah. we'll jump into it. Guys, how, how have you been? It, it's been a little bit. I was uh, I was gone last week. I was in Evansville covering the OVC tournament, had a blast. It was, uh, it was incredible. OVC does not have any NBA prospects in it right now, not at this time. Some guys may develop into it, but uh, – I enjoyed it. That was my first uh, postseason college basketball experience. I got to call a few games for UT Martin, and I got I got to watch some crazy finishes. And yeah. I I was there. I got to see the fight. That was the fight. I was thing. just about to say, bring the fight up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that was a crazy I, tournament, man. <laughs> man, it was nuts. I went to bed on uh, on Thursday night. I shut my ringer off so I could sleep. And I wake up Friday morning and I had like 37 text messages. Well, I'm in a group chat with people from work and I'm thinking, okay, like they just blew up the group chat. No, that was like seven messages. I had like 15 <laughs> or 16 people. Dude, were you called to the game that the fight happened? <laughs> it's like, man, that game. Here's the thing. The story of that game should not be that fight. The story of that game should be Jordan Sears. This man if he was six foot four, six foot five, he would be first round NBA talent. Like the, the amount of heart, the toughness, everything that he brings to the game, he is absolutely incredible. He went down in that game and he was helped off the floor. Like they basically carried him off of the floor and he was able to come back and he drops a career high 33 points and UT Martin wins. But that game will forever and always be remembered by people that were not there because of the fight that happened. And I'm just like, man, it, it's it's heartbreaking because there was some great basketball in that game. Yeah, man, I was going to say, I was checking in on it because I knew you were recovering and calling it. And I've made a lot of close games. I mean, it was a wild tournament. You did, did have to fight, man. There was a lot of lot of stuff going on in that game. Big time comebacks. Um Big time blown leads, obviously on the other side of that. So yeah, that was a that was a good one to cover. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. But uh, back on, on the Grizzly side, man, it's it's a it's been a rough weekend. It's actually, been a rough year. Um, I was tweet tweet about this the other day, and I was asking the question like, how did we get here? Someone asked the question. I can't remember who it was. Asked me, is this the toughest season for a team 
in the position that the Grizzlies are. I mean, the Grizzlies are still currently the second seed right now, and it's been a rough season. I mean, even going back to the summer of different opinions of direction of the team and fans going back and forth, you're always going to get some of that, but it felt like it was a lot for a, a really good team uh, over the summer. Now you got, we mentioned at the top of the show, Brandon Clark out for the rest of this season, and with that injury, possibly the majority of next season, man, big loss. I hate that for him. Um, I know his teammates are or really hate that you hate to see a guy like that go down because you go back to the playoffs last year. I mean, he, if it wasn't for him, man, they don't win that series against Minnesota. I mean, he's just fantastic in that series. So that's going to be a big loss and definitely a big, excuse me, uh, tip in your depth, uh, which I think is already a question mark on this team. Uh, I mean, even outside of the stuff on the basketball court, I mean, you have the team continue to blow leads in the fourth quarter, uh, just rotation stuff. I think, coaching issues with Taylor Jenkins and some of his game management. And none of that is the biggest topic right now. Uh, the biggest topic right now is John Morant. And, and David was talking about um, that you don't even have to be from Memphis and know anything about basketball. From what I've heard, it was on Gift One in America this morning. They were talking about the John Morant stuff. So that lets you know how out of control this situation has gotten. And I've been kind of touching on it all day. Um, I've, it's been extremely toxic. I haven't really been responding to anybody. I just put my thoughts out there and getting a lot of wild replies. I didn't respond to them because that's I, I'm trying my best to stay out of the toxicity on Twitter because it gets really bad. But for me, uh, on the John Moran stuff, I've I've been a defender of but you. One thing, the, the stuff that the situation at his house with the with the kid, um, the the mall stuff, all that stuff was like a year ago. So before this last incident came out, you could say, okay, well, maybe this stuff is old. This stuff happened a year ago. Maybe he's turned a corner. Uh, maybe he's kind of matured on from this stuff and realized that this is stuff that he can't be involved in. And then this video drops uh, after the game on Denver at the strip club. Uh, he's on IG Live brandishing a gun. And once that happened, you're like, okay, well, this is a, a real issue. Like he hasn't learned at all. Like this is – that was one of the most unself-aware things I've ever seen. I mean, to just have these situations come out, you're talking about him branching this, pulling a gun on the kid. That's what a lot of people say are having a gun on him. There are some people that said he had a gun at the mall, which I don't know if it is. We don't know what's true and what's not in these situations. But just to have that out there about you and then come out with this video flashing a gun on on IG Live, man, it's just, just ridiculous. And that right there shows you, like, at that point, like, I can't really – defend you anymore um his actions he has to mature uh he got the two games suspension taylor jenkins said he's going to be out indefinitely so he's going to step away from the team uh puts the statement out um that says that he's going to try to seek the help that he needs nike um and the nba have both said that they're happy to see him being proactive uh but he has to find whatever help he needs uh but uh, but my issue has been with the national media um I mean, you have Skip and Shannon on Undisputed this morning talking about speculating whether he's a, a gang member, um, a member of the Crips. Um, you got uh, Kendrick Perkins uh, talking about extending this to other guys on the team, saying he's not the only ones. He's bringing up Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain, who haven't done anything on social media while or anything. You haven't ever seen them posting themselves with a gun or anything like that. I don't know what he's talking about, but this thing's just got – out of hand and it's for, for me, man, I'm willing to John Moran is 23 years old. Like I'm willing to 
give him time. The book is nowhere near written on him. There's a lot of people that are writing him off. Oh, he's a thug. He's this. I mean, he needs to be. He needs to be in jail. All this. John Moran hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't done anything other than things that are that make it a bad look for himself. That he can't. He's let his teammates down. He's let his family down. He hasn't done anything as we know of illegal. Now there is an investigation with the gun and everything like that. But he hasn't done anything like that. There are other guys you talk about um, bridges in, in, in Charlotte. Uh, the, the, the stuff that he's done, you don't you don't even hear about those situations being talked about like that. So it's I, I'm willing to give him time to to prove himself. I mean, guys have come back from from worse, much worse than this, and, and redeemed themselves. And I, I just hate to see the national media taking this narrative and under the veil of advice, quote advice, when they're coming from a place of they're just trying to get clicks, uh, it's clickbait, they're just trying to get views, and they don't really give a damn about John Morant, the man, and him trying to come out on the better side of this. That's not their angle. Some people are trying to pretend like that's their angle, and it's not. They're, they're just trying to do this for publicity, and I hate to see them down a young man like this, and I, I hate to I don't I hate to bring up race, because I'm not that guy that always breaks everything, everything's black, white, everything's this, but to see a guy like Chet and Sharp, uh, you got a young African-American athlete, and instead of doing what you've seen some other people, like Steven Jackson, it said made some great points. Um, Jalen Rose, um, Paul mm-hmm. Pierce has, has, has touched on this, and I love what they had to say. But you got Chet and Sharp on there on a daily basis going the opposite direction, and it's like he's just trying to bring him down and, and tarnish his name instead of trying to build him up and say, okay, man, he – he needs to work on this, but he has a chance to – he's still young enough to redeem himself from this, and that's not the angle that he's coming from, and I hate to see that. I, I just hate to see that from Shannon. It's disappointing, and it's it's just a lot, man, right right now, but I'm willing to let Josh take all the time he needs uh, because this is not something that's going to resolve itself from in two, day, in two games. I mean, he needs to do some self-reflection. Um, he needs to, to listen to his family. That His family needs to rally around him and – he needs to figure some things out because the direction that he's going is not good because right now these are small situations, but these small situations can very well turn into something much, much worse very quickly. It doesn't take much. There's a thin line between the stuff we're seeing now and something that he might not be able to come back from. And that's my biggest worry. So I'm more as a concern about John Morant as a human, the basketball stuff. We know how talented he is. If he can get that right, he'll be fine on the basketball floor right now. It's just all about John Morant and him getting the help and him working through whatever demons he's working through. Yeah. Yeah. I would say looking at this from an overall arcing point of view, uh, the, the, t- the temptation is to wonder kind of what got us here. And I, I think it's a culmination of things. Um, I think a lot gets lost in all the nuances of what's going on with John Morant. Um, but the reality is we talked about it a lot last year because it was talked about in a fun way the unprecedented success, basically, his, the historical success of the Grizzlies having a team this successful, this young, so quickly. It, it's really, I mean, outside of the OKC, you know, Kevin Durant, that, that group, like, it's really not been done. And at this point, I mean, they're still second in the, in, in the West as of right now. It's been done in back-to-back years. And so I think you're seeing, as a result, unprecedented storylines, like, these storylines haven't really seen before because they're they're not a lot of young teams get to do and make their mistakes under the radar. 
right? They get to do those things before they have the bona fide superstar that's all NBA, uh, before they got these all-star, you know, before they're before they're thrust into the before they hit the main stage. And I think to some extent, the Grizzlies, the players, some of their young, immature, rowdy ways were kind of postponed for a couple reasons. Uh, one, uh, you know, COVID, like in it, the bubble, like that they they really spent about I'd say for a better part of two years being extremely limited in what they were even able to do as young players in this league. So I think you saw a more disciplined, road ready team. I mean, because there weren't there weren't a ton of options out here. I'd say this past year uh, or last season was probably their real first opportunity, in my opinion. Um, you guys can chime in, but in my, from what I'm looking at for, for everything, the world is their oyster. COVID's kind of over. So you've seen some delay in that when other young teams were going through that, where they, they had the opportunity to go through that in their rookie year, their sophomore year. Um, that's just not been the case with this team for circumstances of their own. And then you look at it from the perspective, from Josh's perspective, you know, he just moved out of his family's house. Yeah. You know that's what I mean? Big like, contract. He just got he just got this because he got this contract. He's got all these endorsements and stuff that he's working on for years. And he's never been in this situation before. Up until I mean, it, as a it, full grown NBA player, the guy was living at home with his parents. He bought them all a mansion. You know, and it was just this summer that he moved across the street and left them that house. And so I think you're seeing a combination of things from I, I think. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the extent of which, you know, young teams go through this, but I'm pretty sure that all young teams go through these, these growing pains, these learning lessons, but they don't have to do it to the same extent uh, because they're generally not this successful. It's, it's kind of irrelevant. Nobody's paying attention to the ins and outs of the party life of the Houston Rockets. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's really talking about that because they're not, they're not there yet. They haven't met that stage. So that puts the Memphis Grizzlies in a particularly unique situation. And it was fun last year, but I think um, the city, the players, the team, everybody's experiencing uh, sort of the the other side of that. And um, I agree with a lot of what Isaac said in terms of how people are kind of dehumanizing the whole situation. Uh, They have, they can't, people just can't seem to fathom or understand why Ja would have to take some time to get away from the team to get better or to get his mental right. People don't understand the stresses that come with that essentially overnight. I mean, the city and the chances of getting a championship rest on the shoulders of jobs. I'm, I'm sure he feels that weight. Um, that's not easy. Um, it's not easy navigating, you know, this new business side he's got. Nobody from Memphis had a shoe deal. Not like this. I mean, we talked about that before. Like there's no, there's been no, no real business ventures. It, He's the first athlete in five years to have a partnership with Powerade and stuff like this drop. So he's just, and he himself is navigating unprecedented territory. Um, and so was it, so was a team. Um, it's really easy to look on the outside and say, you shouldn't be stressed. You've got so much success, but I think people continue to forget uh, sometimes more money, more problems. That's just, that's how that works. A lot of times you get more money and it leads to other situations and things that people just don't consider. And then you get less empathy as a result of it. So I don't, I don't stand by the things going on by John Morant. Well, it's a recent situation. I don't stand by that. I do think up to that situation with the IG live video, a lot of it had been a little, had been overblown uh, in my personal yeah. opinion. I think from a media yeah. perspective, some of those things were overblown, even the thing, the Daily Memphian article about him, his mom getting an altercation, him coming up, the 
the word where the report is supposed that he made a reference looking for the employee after he got off to the to the mall security cop and, and pulled off. I, I think a lot of that was overblown, um, but he absolutely did himself well, not known he did himself no favors. He got himself into a world of trouble by trying to feed into that narrative, um, hanging around the wrong guys. Um, and and I hope for him this is generally a wake up call because I I agree with Isaac. I care about the guy. Um, a lot of people will say he's always been this guy. He's always been this terrible dude. And that's just not been the case. The kid's always been confident, but he's always had a, a, a sort of humble, a, a good balance, you could tell. And lately that's been a little bit more, you know, winning in one way than the other. But, um, and, and people hate him because of it. And, you know, you have a right to hate, but as a result, you see a lot of the, uh, really the bullying attempt um, just from the media and people at large uh, kind of attacking him. But I support Ja. I really hope he takes this this chance that it doesn't get any worse. Uh, that's kind of why I stand on it. That this this really is what it takes for him to, you know, get himself right, get himself in the right headspace, and 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 get back to being um, the great player that he is. Because um, he's just too talented, too talented, um, and too much ahead of him to get caught up in this kind of thing. He's got plenty of time in his career, like Isaac said, to make this up. I really hope to see that's the case. But um, I, I just hope other people take a step back and and really pay attention to all of the all the little things that happened along the way that ultimately led us to this moment. And, and hopefully, um, well, I don't, I don't say you can get worse because it always, it's always like jinxing it, but hopefully we got to look for more things to look forward to from this point here from a realist perspective. Yeah. Real, real quickly. I, I want to add to that people. When you talk about the mental health and taking time, there's a lot of people that chime in making jokes. What do you mean mental health? He just needs to stop doing this and stop doing that. And, Add to it, he's also a young co-parent and father. I mean, that's yeah. another angle to that. He has a lot. I mean, as Candace mentioned, he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. He has that. Um, I mean, he has a, a sister that that's playing basketball, doing some things. I mean, he has the possibility, the generational wealth to, to take mm-hmm. care of his family. I mean, he has, like Candace said, the pressure on him to try to bring a championship to his team. He's young and has a lot of stuff on his plate. I, I know a lot of people say a lot of people would kill to be in that situation, but like you said, more money, more money can cause more problems. Just money doesn't solve Here, everything. Here's I mean, my that's, issue that's with that. that. That's a with, that's, like that kind ahead, of, people would kill to be in that situation. The bottom line is you you can say that comment, but you're not. You're not in that situation, so you, right. don't, yeah, so you don't know. Have a freaking clue. You have no idea what this man is dealing with, and, and that's we see of a, a fraction of a very, very small fraction of this man's life. And people are out here assuming that they know what the hell's going on with him. Mm -hmm. And that's the furthest thing from the truth, man. That like that statement, I I get like, I agree. What would, what would I give up to have the kind of talent that John Morant has? And the list is long that like, it's extremely long, but he's human. And he's, I want to look at it from a, a few, like there's three different things that I want to look at in this and I'll let you finish and then I'll go through my stuff. So if you had something else, Isaac, go ahead. I didn't mean to talk over you, but that, no, like, no, not at all. It, that just, it burns me up, man. Because yeah, like you ask anybody in the world, like what would you give up for that kind of talent? And, and for everybody or 99.9% of people, they're going to, the list is going to be long of what they would give up to get that kind of talent. But let's take 
let's remove the basketball out of this completely. This is a Grizzlies podcast. We're going to talk about basketball, but remove it out of it completely. This is a 23-year-old kid, and anybody that's living right now that's older than 23, if you can look me in the face and tell me that you didn't do dumb shit when you were 23 (laughs) years old, (laughs) congratulations to you. You're part of a minority because when I was 23, I was dumb as hell. I was making all kinds of mistakes. I didn't have the spotlight on me. I didn't have the money that John Moran has. I didn't have the opportunity to put myself into situations like he did. If I had, I'd probably be buried under a jail somewhere because I messed it up so bad. So you you have to, there's a level of maturity that has to happen. And then I want to talk about the money part of it. I have family members that can't even manage their damn income tax refunds. Yeah. And it, like the, we're, we're talking about millions of dollars, and there's folks out here that when they get a, a three, four, five, six thousand hey, dollars income they tax refund, they're they're out here quitting their jobs. <laughs> and it, it's you look how many people have won the lottery and then very very quickly turn around and went broke yeah, after broke. Yep. Yep. That yep. Just because money doesn't solve all of your problems at all. Like that that that's something. Oh, if I just if you had all this money, if you had just all kinds of unlimited resources, would that take a level of stress off of your plate? Yeah, it would. It would remove some stuff, but it's going to add other things. And and you guys talked about the fact that he's a father, the fact, you know, like he is so close-knit, tight-knit with his family. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things are changing for him. Yeah. And when you end up with money like that, people that were not in your circle before, they're going to come knocking because there's a lot of vultures. I I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was about, oh man, Isaac, I know you're going to know his name. He was an Alabama running back that got drafted to the Raiders. I think there were no the Browns. I'm sorry. Was it Trent Richardson? Trent Richardson. Yeah. Trent Richardson. Yeah. yeah. There was a documentary on Trent Richardson and it was talking about the, the money. You know, Cause Trent Richardson, when he got drafted, like he, he made a lot of money quick, but because he wasn't careful with his circle, like this man is still doing like any opportunity he gets to make money. He's still out here doing it because a lot of the money that he made is gone because he had people in his circle that did not have his best interests at heart. And I don't know, I can't sit here and tell you with certainty that that is something that John Morant has, but I will tell you based off of the number of people that I've seen around him. And I've said this before we got to where we are right now, I've said, John needs to shrink his circle. You have It's, it's very, very difficult. I can't even imagine how difficult it is to be in the position that he is in and have to determine. Uh, I Well, Jalen Rose said it when, when he was and and I'm glad that you mentioned him, Isaac, because he's one that I felt like that was sincere yeah. out of all the BS that we're seeing from Skip and Shannon and, you know, Stephen A. Like there, there's a lot of people that are not sincere with this stuff. I felt like Jalen was sincere and he said, people come into your life for one of four reasons and you have to determine what that reason is. They come in to add, subtract, multiply, or divide. And so John Moran is in a position 
where he's on a team that's second in the West. He's got to put focus on winning. When does he have time to determine what these people are in his life for? When does he have time to decipher, okay, is this person in my life to take away from me? Are they in here to add to me? And so that's why his circle shrinking it down to people that you 100% absolutely know that you can trust. I think that that would be huge for him. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will say this now and and I'm going to continue. I I support John Morant. I, I strongly considered throwing on one of my jerseys and posting a picture just because this crap is happening all kinds of stuff happens off of the floor, like off whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hell that there's a video out right now. You can YouTube it. This guy is talking about uh, criminal convictions and he's just running down the list. And he talks for like seven minutes about all the convictions and it's members of the U S Congress. That's, that's who he's running off. So there's people at all levels that make mistakes. There's people that are representing this country at the highest level that make mistakes. And John Morant's getting crucified right now. Like I I don't, I know why I know why, because he's a young up and coming superstar and he does have that level of confidence. He is a guy I was talking with with Chris about this. Chris is the the voice of the UT Martin Skyhawks. He's the one that gave me the opportunity to call the games with him. We were talking about John Morant, and he said, you know, it's it's crazy how things happen in life and how it leads you to certain areas. Like what happens if the New York Knicks get the two pick and they end up with John Morant or if the Grizzlies get the number one pick and they end up with Zion Williamson. And I said, if if John was playing somewhere else, I'd probably hate his freaking guts because of that confidence. When a player is that good, it's a love him or hate him type of thing. You know, with with the exception of Giannis, I, I think he's the only, like he's the only superstar that is universally loved, but like Steph Curry, you love him or you hate him. And yep. that's just like, I don't hate him as a person. I, I don't know him on a personal level, but I hate him when he's playing against my team. Yeah. And that, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So it, it's, he, he's got all this money. He has to learn out of control. He's 23 years old. And now he, he because he has this money, he's taken more of, of a leadership role and not only, not only on the team, but in the family dynamic and it's that that's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on a 23 year old. And I hate it. You know, Candace mentioned the word empty because he has all of this money. He gets nothing from anybody. He's supposed to, Oh, well, this money makes you invincible. You're supposed to just take all this stuff and walk right through it and not let it affect you. Well, that'd be great if that could happen, but that's not what's happening. And so now the fans, the organization, his family, need to rally around him and hope and pray that he recovers because if not, this organization's in trouble. And, and if you talk about the, the mental health aspect, uh, you, you go back a few years ago and you watched this one-on-one interview he did with Taylor Rook um, about the bubble. Uh, and if, he, if you listen to him, you could kind of see some from some of the things he said. I don't know if you guys have seen that interview, yeah. uh, but he, he talked about him hearing more about everybody else around him and kind of he's following inside, but he doesn't really worry about himself. He just kind of worries about everybody around him and he tries to deal with stuff on his own. She kind of asked him about 
would yep. he ever seek help going to see counseling or anything that he had talked to some other former NBA players that talked about how much counseling had helped them. And he said that's something that he may reach out to reach out for one day, but that he has a lot of things going on inside of him that he just has always just kind of tried to deal with on his own internally. Um, he doesn't talk about it. He says he doesn't like talking about it because he just cares about his family and his friends and stuff and what they're going through. And he just kind of deals with some of this stuff on his own. Yeah. And that was a few years ago. And that, I think he, and, and it seemed genuine. It didn't seem like he was just talking for the interview. Like a lot of times, sometimes people get an interview and they'll just kind of go along with what the person was asking him. I didn't get that sense at all. I get the sense that he was really dealing with some stuff, like some stuff was heavy on him um, and, and that, that he was working through and he wasn't really talking about it. And that stuff builds up that a lot of people kind of handle things in different ways. Some people turn to the alcohol, different substances. They party when they're, they, they put on this image that they're everything's great and everything's happy. And that kind of stuff kind of helps them cope a little bit with some of the things that are going on in their lives. And they, they lash out, they do different things that might be normally out of character for them. And I think that could be what we're seeing here. I think he could have this stuff going on in the way he kind of deals with this stuff. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go out and party and do all this stuff. And I'm, I'm just going to try to forget about it. And that's sometimes can get out of control. I mean, I think that might be what we've seen here, especially again, in the African-American community, especially with men, a lot of men, it's the stigma that they don't reach out for help. Like that means you're weak or you're soft. If you reach out for help and you just kind of deal with things, however you try to deal with them. And sometimes that's not a good thing. So as I said, I mean, I hope he takes this time and, and figure out and work through whatever he's dealing with. A lot of people have speculated that, that it's alcohol that, that he's turned to and that could be an issue with him and maybe he needs to clean that up. You talk about cleaning up the circle because I mean, again, man, you're out doing this stuff. And a lot of times you see this stuff and he has his entourage around him. And I know these are his guys. These are, or guys that are he, I've been around him ever since he was a kid. I mean, he's brought his friends along from, from South Carolina. A lot of guys that played with him at Murray State, these guys are still in his circle. But sometimes those guys, they're not, they're just going to be yes men. I mean, you, you're the guy with the money. You, you're the popular guy. You're flashing. You're helping them. You're buying them stuff, and you're out balling, and they, they're just going to continue with their lifestyle. And they're not going to tell you, man, you probably shouldn't be doing this. You probably shouldn't be doing that. And it's a lot of, when you don't have anybody that, and I, and I and I this is a thin line because a lot of people try to talk about T and, and him just kind of being more like a friend to him instead of a father. I can't really speak to that dynamic. I mean, I see T, like I said, T is enjoying the life. There's no question about that. But I can't speak on their private conversation and what T and Jamie have tried to tell him. What if they try to tell him, well, maybe you should do this and shouldn't do that. But at, at the end of the day, he's 23 years old, so. They can't make him do anything. And and that's the thing a lot of people say, well, his parents must be terrible. And I don't believe that at all. I, I think maybe he should kind of, and like I said, I hate to say because I don't know everything that is going on in their dynamic, but maybe be less of part of his entourage and say, hold on, man, we need to kind of dial this stuff back a bit. I mean, he made a statement. Uh, I mean, he kind of, it was on both sides, kind of defended his job, but also, kind of admitted that they needed to to go in a different direction. So it, a lot of times you have, once you get in the position that Jaws in, you have a lot of people around you that kind of enable you to do that stuff. And sometimes you have to step back and take a look at who do I want to keep around me? Who are the people that are going to be positive influences 
and that are going to tell me, okay, man, this is not what we should be doing because this is a bad look for you. You're a guy that has Nike endorsements, Powerade endorsements, um, just all kind of Under Armour, man, just all kind of stuff uh, that, that, that he was doing. Body, body armor, I mean, not Under Armour, body armor. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of stuff that, that you can't do. I mean, and you see when when you have other people around you doing stuff and you're John Morant, they're not going to talk about DTAP and all the rest of these guys, what they're doing. It's all going to be John Morant did this, John Morant doing this, John Morant was involved with that. So he he's going to have to make some decisions, man. I, I think he probably needs to hire a PR team, a publicist, the, the just being on Twitter and just kind of being a normal person on Twitter like he kind of does. It's kind of a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's good for you to interact with the fans, but also you see what it can create. So there's a lot of things that he's going to have to clean up and look in the mirror and say, okay, what can I do to change this? And what can I do to make sure that I always got positive influences around me? I think that's the biggest thing. And I think he needs to rally around his family. You know, the team, uh, the front office, Taylor Jenkins, there, and his teammates are all going to rally around him. Tyus said he's talked to him. Jaron said, Jaron said he's talked to him as well. Um, and that he's definitely, there's an emotional aspect to it and that he's not necessarily in a great place right now. And I, I can imagine, man, because the whole world's kind of talking about this situation, even people that don't know anything about sports. I mean, this is just taking legs and, and, and become has a mind of his own right now. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, you can't go anywhere without hearing about this stuff with, with John Moran. So I'm just, like I said, I'm not closing a book on him at all. Um, he just needs to take the time to figure out whatever he needs to figure out, man, come back and, 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 and get back in the dark. Like you said, man, work in the dark. That's what you want to hear, man, about him working the dark, getting his game better, the rest of this stuff, that that's not what we need, man. Just get back with you. Super talented, man. Just one of the greatest players in the world has a chance to be all time. Great, man. Let's get, get all this other stuff cleaned up and get back to that and get, come back and start terrorizing the league again, man. That's, that's all I want to see for him, man. It's, it's just tough to see him going through this. Uh, but, but I guess it's uh, positive that, that he's young and still has a lot of time to, to, to bounce back from it. Yeah, so so add, to add to your point, I wanted to, to add in to the specific context about the Taylor Rook uh, interview that you're talking about. The specific quote, one of, one of the quotes that stands out to me is, you don't realize you're drowning until you're trying to be everybody else. Yeah. Like, and that's that that's real. Like that that, that was that's real to, to me. That 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 seem, that seems genuine. You know what I mean? Like that that feels like somebody who's even at that time, you know, lost. And at least my stance on from what I see on the T thing, I I think there might. I mean, I'm sure there's some some way that T could be, you know, more of a father figure. But I've never really gotten that entourage. Right. So one, I think a lot of it's just him wanting to support his son. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's kind of always been their dynamic from the beginning. Like seeing his dad's been a big part of his business, his his basketball. Um, they kind of always been together, and I think his his I've always gotten the impression at least that his dad is kind of just wants to be there to watch out for us. In fact, I I watched this uh this father's interview with like NBA fathers incoming guys. I think it was like Carl Anthony Towns' dad and like Chris Paul's dad a while uh, a few years ago. Right, basically right when Job was like pretty much a rookie. And he's kind of saying like he wanted to be like more image on positive fathers, and he he wanted to be there in a circle to help protect him from some of the stuff that happens in the league. So I've always gotten the impression that why I understand why it does look like you know it's more of a friendship thing. And I'm not saying that you know I don't I don't know the internal dynamics like like Isaac, but I think it's more balanced than people give a credit for. I'll say that much. Um, I think his his family does give him good sound advice. I I remember I watched uh, some of 
Joseph in the offseason, you know, he does documentaries and things where his mom is telling him, like, get out social media so much. You know what I mean? Like, he, he said that his mom, you know, would tell him stuff like that. And he just, you know, he'll try or he, you know, wouldn't do a good job. Now, this year, I'll say this, what's interesting is this year, I think it's been his most quiet year on social media for the most part. I mean, outside of his videos, like in terms of him going back and forth with fans and stuff, like, I, I think he's actually kind of calm that down and maybe that's what leads to some more of these other outlet stuff like maybe he's partying more because of, i don't know uh, but i know something that daddy green mentioned when he first came on the team and you kind of you know for the most part in terms of him going back and forth for fans that hadn't really been the case this season it's been you know other headlines and stuff that's really been taken you know um from position but but yeah man it's 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 you know it's a tough situation tough time honestly all around to be a grizzlies fan <laughs> follow this team it's, it's hard to watch but, um, you know, I have full confidence in, in the young man. He, he's made out of the right stuff, in my opinion. And if I know anything about the city I was born and raised Memphis, is that Memphis backs up their people, um, period. So, I, you know, I know people are maybe disappointed with him or maybe wanting things to go differently. But at the end of the day, I 100% feel like this city is behind John Morant, 100%. And the whole world may not be. And it's back to Memphis versus everybody. It's really always what it was anyway. Um, it ain't back to it. It's been that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah it, that, that's I was talking about. Everybody was on board last year, but 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 it, it at the end of the day, like you say, when it comes down to it, it's Memphis versus everybody. And that's 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 just where we're back at. And honestly, you know, it tears down the expectation for the team. I think this team needs to just regroup as a whole, like reevaluating everything for a team that's so big on culture. Uh maybe it's time for the front office to step back and really think about, you know, as that progresses, what does that look like and, and what should the continued culture be? Um, because there can be some negative things to come out of what was ultimately started out to be so positive and great um, last year. So um, tough time. We'll get through it. Um, I have I have the utmost confidence that John Moran will ultimately um, get make the make this a redemption story arc for sure. Yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, that. The the report about the team meeting saying that they need they need to kind of rein it in when they're on the road because if you look at the the road record the road record is bad the Grizzlies yeah. at home they're twenty six and five at the FedEx Forum and they're eight games below five hundred on the road at twelve and twenty and so whether Sham Sham Shams I don't even know how to pronounce it yeah Shams Shams yeah. like wh- wh- whether he got that a hundred percent right or not. The the proof is in the record. You can look yeah. and see that there is something that they are not doing on the road. And so you, you have to figure that out because you're going to have to win on the road in the playoffs. If you don't finish as, as the number one seed, and my guess is, you know, we don't have a firm timetable on when Ja comes back to this team. But maybe it, it's a couple weeks. Maybe it's in April. Maybe it's not for the rest of the season. We we don't know what it's going to be at this point. And so you've got to do something to figure out, okay, what's going on the, on the road that's not happening at home? And, yeah, the road is going to be tough. There's not many teams that are just absolutely scorching on the road. You know, the, the Bucks are, are five games, seven games above. The Celtics are eight games above 500. Like the top three in the in the East are are well above 500. And then when you look in the West, like the Nuggets are 16 and 15, so they're barely above yeah. 500. Yeah. And the Kings are 18 and 13. And then as you continue to scroll down the list in the West, 
it's just, it's not much of anything. Like the, a lot of teams are under 500 in the West on the road, but that's still like the discrepancy, the 26 and five at home and 12 and 20 on the road is a massive gap. So the, the coaching staff, the front office, there's a lot that needs to be done. And when they had that meeting, it, from what the report says, and I don't know how accurate this is right now, but my understanding my understanding is the meeting happened, and then this thing with a gun happened the next night. Yep. So what is that going to do to the locker room? What is that going to do? You know, Stephen Adams says something like that. Is he going to lose desire to play with these guys? Are you going to see, you know, the, the biggest thing that they had going was the culture, the the way, you know, like how much fun that they were having on the floor and the way that they supported, the way they rallied around each other. After a conversation like that, then you see the video of him doing this stuff. How much is it going to impact the other players on the team? And you have to hope that their relationship was strong enough that it's not going to be much of an impact. But the truth is we don't really know. And there's a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors that we don't know. I'm not going to dive into speculation about all this teams imploding from the inside out because we there, there's no indication that that is, is happening other than the fact that we see John Morant kind of imploding on himself right now. So it's, I don't know, it's a very slippery slope, and my hope is that they can do something to right this ship. I want to talk. I want to gear more toward well, the basketball. I was going to say real quick, I want to touch on, on the beating thing. People are, are speculating that that meeting happened around the Denver game, but nobody, no one ever said that. There's been no reporting. Sean then stated that meeting took place. Then people just kind of took that as, okay, well, he said a meeting happened, so that meant it happened that day or the night before, and then John still went out. It, it's never been reported that when that meeting was. That could have been – a month ago or, or two months ago. Nobody really knows when that meeting is, but Sean didn't say that. So that's, I just kind of wanted to add that, and people have kind of been speculating all where they had the meeting and then Zah went out anyway. Uh, that There was no indication that that meeting was that the day before or anything like that. I just wanted to add that in. So it could have been, but there, there's no proof that that's when it was. So just yeah. wanted to add that. And, yeah, and speaking of go ahead, Candace. Well, speaking of culture uh, and things like that, I will say, if anything, I would hope that bring Stephen Adams words more true i think it's it's probably just from what i know about these guys more likely affect you know seeing the repercussions of everything um that's my hope um and like i said i don't know when the meeting was but if anything um I, my hope is that that did not cause division locker room but i i've been wondering i've been wondering about this because this has been another aspect we haven't talked about it because there's been so many other implosions happening with the grizzlies right now but dylan brooks was suspended the last game because of his technical fouls and there's been a lot Surrounding Dylan Brooks in terms of him getting in, in these more fights and scrimmages and these, uh, I will go more physical plays, um, with some look dirty, you know, speculative dirty type plays, and that's been part of this kind of cloud hovering over the Grizzlies as well. Myself, I mean, before we got to this point, it was, you know, the Dylan suspension and you know him. It's just been a lot of scrimmages, him going back and forth. Seems, he's always seems to be in the middle of it whenever these scrimmages happen. Um, so I just wanted your guys' thoughts in terms of, from the front office perspective, culture. And I know Dylan's always been the heart and the soul of this of this team culture-wise. But something I've been kind of wondering about, is that what's best? 
like that is that is that is that what the team needs and that's something I haven't come to a conclusion on myself necessarily but just given everything else that's been happening I just sort of wonder if all the the macho bravado to some extent is doing more harm than good at least at this at this moment man for me the Dylan stuff is it's super polarizing and it's it's tough because I've never been one of the one of the uh, on the terms of people's uh, get rid of Dylan. We got to get him out of here. We, I've never been that guy, but because I understand the impact that he has on this team right. defensively, uh, I mean, there, there's no question that people, a lot of people, even try to argue against that. And there's no argument about what he brings on the defensive end, in my opinion, at all. It shouldn't be yeah. anyway. But you do see all this other stuff. Um, and he's just from from night to night you just never know what you're going to get from him one night he'll you'll say okay well yeah that's what we need to see from him and then the next game he'll go completely back to what people complain about about taking bad shots taking shots out of the offense it's just i don't know what the answer is to that uh, because i know in, in the past you would say this and now with all this stuff going on we don't know what's going on you would say that he was the heart and soul of this team and everybody loves him and this season has been kind of different i mean we've been seeing with the suspension you Seems like every game now he's getting into it with people, whether that's right or wrong, whether not to say he he has comments that he's making, and I think that don't do the team any favors. Yeah, it's it's just that's a tough. What I'm, talking about. I'm not even talking about yeah. the offensive shots. I just mean from a like, you know, his person just from what we say is a coach, like his personality, his heart, all of that. It just seems to be causing yeah. a lot of extra problems, in, at least in my opinion. And I don't know what to do with that information, but. It's something that I've been thinking about too, just from an overall team perspective. Yeah, it's just it's just about I guess if if they let him walk, which I, I feel like was a mistake because if they ended up letting him walk, right. they, they should have tried to move him. Right. But it just I guess it just depends on who you bring in. Um, whether because I think right now, despite all the stuff that that you say about him negatively, and anybody says about him negatively, I think in order for this team, this this iteration of the team right now to reach their peak, I think that Dylan Brooks needs to be there. But that, that but that those dynamics can change. And if you like you said, you you had went out and added a uh, Mikael Bridges at the deadline, then I think it would have been much easier to let him walk. Uh, but they haven't done that yet. So I guess that's the question. What are you going to replace him with? And that's an interesting question. That is what he brings as far as the culture. Is that what this team needs going forward? Is that the direction they need to continue to go in. That, that's a really interesting question uh, that can dispose there. Um, it, it's, it's just so many dynamics that, that mm-hmm. go into that, man. We'll just see how it plays out. I, I got a feeling that his his time on this team might be coming to an end. I, I don't think that was the case earlier in the season, um, if yeah. you had to ask the front office that, but I got a feeling that they're kind of heading, heading toward a divorce. I think he might end up walking in offseason without compensation, which is compensation, which is a bad thing, but I just think it's evolved over the season. Um, I, I, if if I'm the front office, I think I'm not feeling the same way about him as I felt early on in the season. If you had asked me then, now I think I feel a little bit differently than what I would have said back in November, December. Yeah, David, what say you? I I think that anytime that you say stuff to the media, anytime that you see those quotes. It just it pushes other teams to give you their their best. Yeah. So let let's say a team is heading into a back to back, and they know that they got the Grizzlies on the second night of a back to back. Dylan Brooks 
saying some of the stuff that he said, I feel like teams are more likely to coast through that first night so they can come out and they gri- give the Grizzlies everything that they got, give the Grizzlies their A game. Yep. And, and that makes things tougher on the Grizzlies. Can I prove that that is the case? No, I, I can't. I haven't done, like, I haven't watched film. I haven't gone down and, and really watched enough of the other teams to tell you that that's exactly what's going on. But on the floor, he is a massive impact player, and he is a positive impact player. And just like Isaac said, there's no arguing what he does on the defensive end of the floor. There are people that constantly run their mouth about Dylan Brooks, and I have on, on multiple occasions put stats out there for what he brings to this team, and the numbers don't lie. I'm not. It's not cherry-picking stats. It's not anything. You – You'd say that Dylan Brooks is not helping this team defensively. Okay, I'm going to go find defensive stats to show you that he is. And you can find them. You don't have to dig deep and cherry pick. Oh, well, against this player, he done this. No, you can go and find defensive stats where Dylan Brooks is a positive impact player. So letting him walk, letting him be away from this team, whatever happens, if he is not a Grizzly, I think there's going to be a hole. You saw what Paul George done to Zaire Williams. And Zaire is not just going to magically over the summer come back and be swole. He has the length. He has athleticism to be one of the best defenders on a team, maybe even the best perimeter defender on a team, but he's not there yet. And if you let Dylan Brooks walk, who are you going to go get? How many six foot seven inch? wing defenders that have the ability to create their own shot are out there for them to go get. There's uh, not, there's not many. How many years as Grizzlies fans have we sat back and said, man, the Grizzlies just need a big wing defender that, that can score. Dylan Brooks can't do that as efficient as what we would like, but he is a good wing defender and he can score. If you can find some sort of medium ground from where he's not taking 17 shots a game, if you can find him 8 to 10 shots a game, even if he's inefficient, all you need – and catch and shoot Dylan Brooks is the best version. I, I looked it up the other day, and it may have changed now, but the last time I looked at it, he was shooting like 61% on catch and shoot this year. So that yeah, version no. of Dylan is, is efficient. But the problem is the way that this team is designed, we don't get that version of Dylan Brooks enough. So is that the personnel? Is that Coach Jenkins being a robot, which he kind of mentioned that that's what he does? You know, there's a lot to it. It's When you're breaking down a situation like this Dylan Brooks thing, it's not just a surface. Like, you can watch a game – where Dylan takes a bunch of bad shots and be like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, what is going on with you that makes you think that that is okay? But there's so much more to the game than just that surface level. So on the surface, somebody can look at it and be like, okay, if they let Dylan Brooks walk, it's it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if you dig in, I think if he walks and he's not on this team, if they don't go out and find somebody to replace him, that it's going to be a massive hole and this team will not win as many games. 
well, no, they're going to have to find somebody to replace them. That, that's that's not a question. <laughs> but yeah, but and I, I I agree with a lot of a lot of your uh, your points. And because I, I actually think this year, I'm not sure that my issues with Dylan had. I mean, yeah, shot selection is always going to drive you crazy. But I think he's had a lot more games where he's been better than that. Where he, you know, if Desmond is playing and Jaws playing, he, he hadn't taken as many shots. Um, it's that he still just hadn't been able to he's just not been able to shoot well just in general but like I said I, I was really coming at it more from a culture thing just because he seems like you know since he didn't play a lot last year so a lot of the stuff that comes with Dylan in terms of his quotes in terms of his you know getting on other I mean in, in some extent it's an advantage but I also have seen playing games where Dylan will get on somebody's nerves and then Devin Booker goes off of 40 points you know what I mean like and it's not all on why Dylan is guarding them but also like you know what I mean? Like he he almost like baits the he baits some of the elite players and some of the and another thing is similar to Jaron, some of the elite players know how to get Dylan out of the game because you just use his aggression against him because he's so you know so volatile. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's just the things I've been thinking about just in terms of you know I like what he brings uh, to some extent, but I just given where this team is at right now, man, I'm just not sure that more of that is what this team needs. I think they need a little bit less volatility, a little bit less um, bravado, and a little bit more guidance in general at this point. And it kind of feels like that's what they were trying to do with the trade deadline when, you know, the yeah. uh, OG Ananobi, and yeah. I, I would have cried myself to sleep for a week if they gave up three first-round picks. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't on that. I feel it. And I got a feeling. I got a, I got a bad feeling that they're going to try to go back to him in the offseason, and that he's just not the guy for me to give up all that. I just, I don't yeah. think he's that guy. It was health for as much now. It the health be, issues, but. man. The, the health issues are it for me. Like he, he hasn't been healthy really. Yeah, Mikel Bridges, that dude's a tank. Oh, he plays yeah, eighty two yeah, games a year. That. Like, man, man I would have been give up, giving up the chest for yeah, the whole yeah. war chest. <laughs> so, I, like, I, I was okay with that. But it feels like maybe that's what they were trying to do with the trade deadline and just couldn't yeah. get it done. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think – and it's really tough to gauge because how much of what Kleiman was saying was fluff because how many years yeah. in Boston did we hear Danny Ainge, oh, man, I was super close to pulling the trigger to get this guy yeah. or that guy and this – like – it's easy to blow smoke whenever it's past time and nobody's going to put you on blast if that's not the truth. I, I'm not insinuating that that's what climbing is doing, but I always like, I'm a little reserved. I, I, I can't say that I fully trust that that's a hundred percent what he was doing. So yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say really, you know my really thoughts like, on that. You know my he, he thoughts has, on that. <laughs> he has a job to do, and he his level uh, of knowledge, whenever it comes to how to do that job, far exceeds what I'm able to do. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna sit here and just run him into the ground. But that, like, I just don't buy into. I'm not gonna take everything he says as the gospel. I guess is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I like him. I like what he's done with this team. He's done a lot of fantastic stuff. So I, I don't dislike any of the things that he's done. But, I, you know, it's like you, you don't fully trust the government. The government's not telling you 100% of everything that they're doing. 
and front offices are the same way. Like they're not going to tell you a hundred percent of what they're doing and you can't, you can't show your hands to other teams. So I kind of get that. And I don't think that we're going to see. I go, go back to the Adams trade. The Grizzly side of that trade was not leaked beforehand. People were like, oh, it was three days before. And I'm like, that wasn't from the Grizzly side. You knew what the no, Pelicans were Pelican doing. Side. Yeah. You, you knew what the Pelicans were doing, but you didn't know about the Grizzly side because every other move that he's made, it doesn't there, there's no leak. You don't hear about it. It's like this trade's happening and then boom, it's announced. So yeah, it's we'll see. This offseason is is gonna be kind of a, a I think this is what we're going to see. He's going he's going to have to tip his hand in this offseason because they have assets but they're never going to have more assets than what they have in this offseason. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that that's what I want to see. So, I hope he's telling the truth. I, I feel better about the direction if those things that we heard at the deadline were true because before then I just didn't know if because it just felt felt like they were 100% content to just go organically, like organic development. We don't need to add anything. This team is fine. They're, they're, the pieces that we have now, they're just going to grow into the team that's going to win the win the championship. And I know they're young. I just never, I was never on board with you being that good and you having resources to go out and build on that and you just not doing it because you just want to let it grow organically. I was never on board with that so if it, i'm hoping the things that we heard at the deadline were true because if that was true i'm fine now we just need to continue with that same more the same mentality into the future if, if that's the case i don't want it to be og and anobi though but i got a strange feeling i've been talking about that ever since the deadline i got a feeling they're gonna make a another run at him in all season because i don't think mikhail bridges is attainable I'll, brooklyn's not getting rid of that guy i, I, don't, I don't think there's grizzlies rumored to offer four first round picks for him at the deadline if that didn't, if that didn't get a good done then, with the numbers that he's been putting up, they're definitely not going to change their stance on that. I don't think they're going to move him. So OG Anubi is going to be a guy I think that's going to be out there again in the summer on the trade block. I think they're going to end up moving him this summer. I don't know how serious they really were at the deadline. Um, Jury is a, a guy that you're not going to fleece him in a deal. Uh, but I, I got a feeling that it's going to – the price of a tag might come down a little bit. But yeah. I just don't I just don't think he's the guy. Like, I – if you if you've been conservative all this time with with your assets, I, I just don't know if Adenobi is the guy that you want to go all in on. I, I just don't think he's that guy. David talked about the injury history, and I just he, and I know we talk about Dylan Brooks and his inefficiency and things like that. I don't know if he's enough better to, than Dylan Brooks that the trade off is going to be enough. You're going to lose Dylan and you're going to give up all these assets to bring him in. I don't I don't think OG puts you over the top. It's just me. A lot of people disagree with that. I I, I just don't think you're gonna you want to lock yourself in with okay. You got John on the the, the the big contract. You got Jared on the big contract now. You got him locked up. You got Brandon Clark locked up, and he's not going to be playing most of the year. You're gonna be that's gonna be it. That's gonna be pretty much your team. You're not gonna have a lot of flexibility to kind of do any other things. So if you're gonna go all in on a guy, you need to make sure it's the right guy. I think Mikael Bridges 100 percent. Timeline wise, personality wise, I think he would have would have fit this team and would have been great for him. OG is a guy who there's been some talk that he doesn't have the greatest attitude, uh, doesn't have the greatest work ethic. Uh, there's thoughts that he wants to be, if not the number one guy on the team, a one B guy. 
and he's not going to be that here. So it's, there's some question marks with OG. I just don't think he's that guy. I know we're kind of getting out tough subject, but I hope that's not the guy that they cash in on. I just I just don't think he's the one. I don't I don't think they'll have to cash in on him as, as much in the offseason because I mean the biggest incentive for them, I mean, because he's got a player option. So so I, I don't know how they that's, a, that's another thing, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's gonna bring that price tag way down. And, but I'll say this and my, my position on it in general, I don't think I don't think the Grizzlies are one move away anyway. I don't I don't think because even if they were to get the wing, I still think they need a bigger big. I mean, they still need they still need a I, I like I love Tillman. We'll talk I'm trying, man, I, well, I don't know. We've been on here for a minute. I don't know what time to talk about Tillman and the great things that he's been doing since the all-star break, but but like that it, there's still a huge disparity in terms of like just size, in terms of uh this is they're not gonna play Jaron at five. That seems like that's kind of out, and I get it, but that's out. So with that the case, that's you got your core guys, right? But in terms of what makes this team a championship roster, yeah, they probably do need two guys. Three, I think yeah. there's still a, a move or two. I don't think it's yeah. just one move that you can put your chips in and say this is a championship team. Now there's still around the margins of areas I, of improvements. I I semi disagree with that. There there are players that you could add to this team that instantly would make them a championship contender. Yeah, but, available, the, yeah. but but those players <laughs> are not named OG and Anobi. Yeah, there's not OJ and Anobi, that's for sure. Yeah, I, like, I don't, like, I, don't so, I don't even know. I'm honestly I don't even know if they're better than they are now with OG. That's my thought. I don't I just don't think he moves the needle even close enough for you to just bust open your war chest for. I just I don't know. I, I just I, I like OG as a player, but I think he got overrated because of he was just the, one of the biggest names that was out there in the trade deadline. Nobody was even talking about OG, and then all of a sudden, people were treating him like he was a 10-time All-Star or something, and he was this MVP candidate, like, we got to get OG. And I, I, mean, he, I don't know. He just wasn't that enough. guy to be. He's still young enough that he fits the timeline. Like he, It's yeah. not like he's an old man or anything like that. But, yeah, I'm. I'm there's uh, some other stuff that I'd like to talk about, but we're already, like, I think an hour and five or an hour and ten into it. Yeah. So so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We'll be back. The Grizzlies play again. What is tonight, dude? It's tomorrow, tomorrow night. It? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. Yep. So uh, we'll we'll do a post game tomorrow night, and we can we can talk about some of this other stuff because Candace mission mentioned Xavier Tillman briefly there, and, and he's been phenomenal. Tyus Jones in that Clippers game was incredible, mm-hmm. but some of the same stuff that we've been seeing all year. The Grizzlies yeah. have struggled struggled closing games. They dropped fifty in the third, and then they took a nap in the fourth, and ended up losing the game. So they are twenty nine. They are twenty ninth ranked in the league in fourth quarters. Twenty nine. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say we also. I also want to talk some stuff about Desmond Bain and in fourth quarters and late in games too. So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll uh, we will. What do they, what do they call it? Um, shelf it until tomorrow. That's not the word I was looking for, <laughs> but I try. We're in meetings and it's sidebar. We're going to put it off yeah. <laughs> till tomorrow. So we, we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. If not, we don't care. No, I'm just kidding. We, we hope you enjoy <laughs> it. L- little humor. But, you know, th- this this is big stuff. We, we had to talk about it. Um, and I know, you, like, if you're anything like me, you're sick of hearing about it. But th- there's just so much misinformation. And I hate it. Like, I, I have a lot of people that have been communicating with me throughout the day. And I'm like, do not believe everything that you're seeing on Fox Sports and ESPN yeah. because it's not all 100% accurate. So, 
Anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to get up on a soapbox before we close it out. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Dwill21. You can find me on Twitter at CandaceH901. Isaac, take us out. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. Go to at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. And I just want to say for to Grizz Nation, man, just just breathe, man. Just Just take a step back. I know it's been a a heavy time with, with all the negative news. But, I mean, this team is still young. Um, we just hope Ja gets right because we know how talented he is. And this he's the type of player that can lead this team in this city to an NBA championship. So you just hope he can get his mind right because the basketball stuff is – we there's no question about this on the basketball floor. I mean, he's, he's that dude. He's that type of player that can lead you there. So just hope he can get right, man. But outside of that, man, the Grizzlies take on the Lakers tomorrow night. Oh, that's always a big game. Uh, Got to be out on L.A. It's going to be interesting to see if, if Skip, uh, I mean, not Skip, but Tanner will be at the game tomorrow night. You know what happened out there last time. So we'll see how that plays out. But I thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, for David Candace, I've been out Until tomorrow night, we're gone. presentation.